Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Hey, welcome everybody to episode number 53. This is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. However, today, Jared is not in studio, so I'm going to try to carry this whole podcast, um, well, I was going to say by myself, but we have a guest, so I don't have to carry the whole thing. No, no. But um, we will uh, get to that in just a second. Episode 53, the first section of our podcast, is sponsored by Steps Recovery Center, where healing, where addiction ends and healing begins. If you or a loved one need help at all, please feel free to give Steps a call. Their number is 801-800-8142. Having said that, we have our guest today, Vanessa McNeil. Vanessa knows something about Steps, right? I sure do. I was, yeah, I went to treatment at Steps. Oh, beautiful. And how was that? It was awesome. All right, great. It was just what I needed. Great, perfect. Well, so Vanessa's a product of Steps, and uh, she was she will tell you they did a pretty good job, probably, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Steps is a great place. So if you if you guys need help, again, feel free to give them a call eight zero one eight zero zero eight one four two. Shannon, who might be a friend of yours, says yes, Vanessa, you are incredible, my best friend and family for life. I love you, well, Shannon. Shout, shout out to Shannon. Thanks shout for out, comment. Shannon. All right, so let's do uh, sort of the things we do, which is the first part is uh, new and goods. Uh, I'm going to try to, again, I'm going to try to do this podcast without Jared's help. Jared, you guys know, is sort of the life of the podcast and uh, does all of the technical, not the technical stuff, because Sean does the technical stuff. I do stuff. the technical yeah. stuff. <laughs> he, does the, he does the sort of day-to-day laundry stuff, and I don't do that stuff. So I'm going to try to do his stuff. But what we start with typically is new and good. So, uh, Sean, I'm going to start with you. What is new and good in your world? Oh, my wife's been gone for three days. It's been fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Do not let her hear that. Oh, no, she'll, she'll never listen That's to this. That's terrible. Okay. Uh, she had something up in Park City, so oh. I've had the entire so you're bed to myself. It? Oh, man, it was quiet in the house. Oh, that's Nobody so asking good. me to anything. Do stuff. It was fantastic. Okay. Got up when I wanted to, went to bed when I wanted to, ate what I wanted to, and the bed. Oh, it's oh the bed. It was, oh, it was amazing. It sounds fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Listen. I'm going to send her on a conference every other week. How long have you been married? I don't know. Seven years, eight years. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's okay if your wife goes out of town once in a while, guys. It's it, fine. It needs to happen more often. Yeah. It happen, needs to happen just, some. I mean, I mean, I mean, she, she's coming home and I had to run home to get the house ready before she showed up. Sure, sure. Which is why the podcast is late. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. But. We're fine. That's my new and good. Well, that is new and good. Fun. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, we have our special guest today, Vanessa McNeil, and we're going to get to her story in just a second. But before we do that, what's new and good in your world? New and goods. I feel like this microphone's really close, but we'll keep it that way. Okay. Um, so I just got back from California. Sweet. It was rad. I went with some friends that are in recovery, and that's something that I would have never been able to do or never had the opportunity to do and it was great we went to meetings with the 12-step program that i'm involved in it was rad it was just an epic time with some epic friends that are in recovery and i loved it i love that i loved it yeah i love that can't wait to go again i want to go back (laughs) did you see our next comment our next comment is by oh. somebody who has the same last name as me. That's weird. That would be my wife. Yes. My wife says, hey, Vanessa, love, well, she meant love you, sister, love your sisters, but she said love your sisters anyway. <laughs> uh, and she said congrats. So, yeah. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Hi. Mel- Melody says hi. Hi, Melody. So uh, I'll tell you why that's the case is uh, I have known Vanessa for a long time. We used to live three houses apart mm-hmm. in Orem, and uh, she spent some of her teen years, I'm guessing, is about, I can't remember exactly how old you were when you lived there, but. Yeah, I was a teen. Yeah. Yep, some 16. Of, some um, of her teen years in, on my street. Yeah. Not my street, like I didn't own it, but your street and, yeah. and my street. And, uh, you know, my kids were friends with you and your brother. And I know for sure Crystal was kind of close to Damien. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we, so I've known Vanessa for a long time and, um, wanted to get her story because she's got a story that's going to knock everybody out. So, uh, (laughs) I think 
before we get to that, though, I have one quick announcement. Sean, do you have that? Um, can you pull up that quick picture? Okay, the announcement is, this: so Thursday, September 30th, from 5 to 9 p.m. in Ogden at the Monarch, is the Recovery Expo, which is, uh, which is being held, uh, like I said, that night for four hours. There's four speakers that are all really, really great speakers. Um, I can't read all their names, sorry, but I do know Casey Scott. I know Travis Whitaker well. Uh, I so can't. Rob Eastrom. Okay. And Jennifer, they used cursive instead yeah. of like I know that. sans font. First of all, it's a long ways away for me. And second, it's not in a very easy to read font. But um, I know I know two of those people and they're going to be excellent speakers. So. I'm sure Jared's hearing this and going, they're saying the name's wrong. Yeah. You know. Well, Jared never gets a name right. Oh, he, never, he gets yeah. his own name wrong every right. time. <laughs> right. right. So I feel fine about the fact that I got two out of four names. That's about it, par for the course. So anyway, show up if you're up around Ogden, the 30th of of September, Thursday night, 5 to 9 p.m. Doors open at 5 o'clock. Um, all right. Now, having said that, I got one more quick announcement. There is an organization called the Sobriety Foundation. And the Sobriety Foundation, uh, we have had Susan Peterson on this podcast before. Susan Peterson started the Sobriety Foundation when uh, she lost a son to this disease. And that foundation pays for two months of uh, sober living for people just coming out of treatment mm. and they have their big fundraiser. It's going to be on October 8th at the grand America in salt Lake. And they're having a live auction right now, uh, online from now until October 8th, they've got a whole bunch of really cool things that are up for auction. And if anybody out there wants to go take a look at that live auction, uh, I don't have the, I don't have the web address, but if you go, if you just Google sobriety foundation, it'll take you to their webpage. And I think there's a link on that webpage to the live auction. So give that a, give that a look. There's some really cool things up for auction. Some of them are actually related to recovery and some of them are not at all related to recovery, but they're all re related to having fun and raising money for a pretty good cause. So nice. give that a look October 8th, grand America. Tickets are uh, on sale. You can get those also through the website of the Sobriety Foundation. So, all right. So let's get to Vanessa. I, I um, let's start with right now, and then we'll go backwards. But we're not okay. going to go. We're going to go now, and then jump all the way back, and then move forward. But That's so right now, tell us what you're doing right now. What's your life like? What do you do? What's happening? Um, well, I um, when I finished with treatment. Um, I was starting to be involved. Wait, where'd you go to treatment? Oh, Steps, Steps, Steps Recovery, Recovery Center. Center. Oh, they're one of our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. What a cool place to go. Okay, sorry. Okay, so um, while I was in Steps, actually, it was kind of like, there was, it was kind of like a, um, a bridge, I guess, that helped me to cross over into, um, into the recovery community, into the 12-step program that I'm involved with now. Um, and I'm pretty heavily involved in that. Um, I've got service commitments. I um, that. I have a beautiful sponsor. Um, and I just, I, I work the steps. Um, I'm happy today. I feel happy. I what work, I have two jobs. Um, so I kind of like when I'm at home, I kind of live a boring life, which is cool. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I, I keep to myself when I'm at home, but when I'm out in the community, I'm just all over the place. But you're, you're, you're a personality. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're not a small personality. No. You're kind of a big personality, yeah, I'm which is of, fun. Yeah. Well, the thing but, is, is, but sometimes at home, those big personalities like to chill out a little bit. Yeah. That's time, I guess, to recharge. My yeah. sponsor was telling me, she's sure. like, you gotta have time to recharge before you go back out. But yeah, sure. yeah like the thing is, is, um, I spent so much of my life in a place of sadness, mm. um, in a place of despair. Um, mm. I always held on to hope, but um, right before I came to, uh, down to St. George, like I started to lose that. That's why I knew that I needed to change something. And, um, I just feel like, you know, um, I've been told before that I'm not like, this is just like, um, made up that I'm just not this happy person, but I really am. Um, Great. and I think that it's just because of so much sadness, like it's my turn to be happy, Sure, you know, and you gotta have that balance. Plus so. who gets to tell you who you are? Yeah. Right. You get yeah. to be who you are. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nobody gets to tell you you're not a happy person. Nobody. That's ridiculous. Sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes, I mean, everyone well, has, sure. you know what I mean? But for, sure. for the most part, I you've am happy. Got, you've got stuff in your life that 
you could be sad about for sure. And yeah. I'm guessing you that hits you sometimes, but. Oh, absolutely. And there's a point in time, you know, like there's time to grieve and then there's time to come out of that. You right. know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. a healthy way of me grieving the things that have happened in my life. Sure. Um, instead of one thing that I learned um, is that I get to choose how long I suffer. You know, grief is a process um, and suffering is a choice. So I get to choose when to stop suffering. And my time to suffer is I don't, I don't, you know, like I've had enough suffering in my life. Yeah. So yeah, I will grieve. I grieve things and then I am able to come out of it because. Look how wise you are. <laughs> Seriously, that's great stuff, right? Yeah. Well, say, say that again for me really quick. You said grief, grief is, is a, process a process and suffering is a choice. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, grief is grief is mandatory almost, yeah, right? Absolutely. It, it happens, you can't stop it. But choosing to wallow in it. Yep, you is get a to choice. choose. Yeah, it's a choice. And that's not something that I I didn't think that that was a choice, you know, until right, I sure. was able to come out of some of that fog. Sure. And then I realized that it's not, you know, I don't have to suffer. Like I'm no, and once now that my self-worth is building up, um, you know, I'm start. I love myself sure. today. There's sometimes, you know, when I, I have hard days, um, but I wasn't able to even say that I love myself, which I do. I love myself today. And being able to, to say that and to be able to feel that, um, it's like, uh, I just, I, I'm able to see with more clarity, you know, and I know that I don't have to suffer. It's not, I don't deserve to be unhappy or, wow. you know, in that. And a lot of that has to do with my dad too. My dad got in my head when I was young. You know what I mean? Your, and your dad did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is a story. We need to talk about this, but a couple of people are, by the way, shout outs real quick. Uh, Sean, can you move that at all? down a little bit there's one below that shannon comment that i want to read if you can uh okay so amber bride said thank you or love you vanessa marie mcneil i love you amber i just found your middle name um angela sweet said yay vanessa and hey, shannon says i knew that sadness i lived that sadness with you it's so beautiful seeing you shine now she did and then that girl's my family for sure terry which is a beautiful first name said so proud of you Love you, Terry. And then Amber again said, you are a true inspiration and example. Thank you. So, yeah. hey, thanks for the Facebook comments, guys. Keep those coming. Uh, so our guest is is Vanessa McNeil. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go back. Tell us a little bit about childhood. Where were um, you born? Tell us about brothers and sisters. Okay. Where did you grow up? What was that like? That stuff. Well, it was a dark and rainy night. I love it. <laughs> Um, no, I was born in Long Beach. <laughs> I'm doing the lightning in the. <laughs> oh thing. yeah, yeah. I was born in Long Beach, California, um, and um, I'm the second uh, sibling. Okay. I've got an older sister, Rachel, okay. a younger sister, Alexis, okay. and I had a younger brother, Damien. Okay. And then uh, four sisters that were adopted from Russia and the Ukraine. It was they were in the Ukraine. I'm, believe is where yeah. they were when, yeah. yeah, when my mom, she went over to get one and she brought back four. Huh. So <laughs> my mom was just super loving like that. You your know mom I mean? was super loving. Yeah. There's no question. And there's, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I did know. And your mom is, this was the sweetest person ever. Yeah. And, uh, for those of you that know Vanessa and know her story, there's going to be, uh, not maybe tons of surprises here, but for those of you that don't know this story, it's unbelievable because so far we've already talked about your mom in the past tense. Yeah. We've already talked about your brother in the past tense. Absolutely, yeah. And we've already talked about your dad in the past tense. So yes. there's going to be a lot of tragedy in this story, and it's a it's a unbelievably tragic story. But so good to see you rise above it. And to me, the thing as I reflected on what we were going to do today, because I, I do think about this stuff ahead of time. I try to pretend like I'm winging it all, but I mean, I for sure spend some time in my brain about it. And right. um, the one thing that the, the one thing that I kind of wanted to bring out today was, or the thing that struck me, I guess, is I think if you put a thousand people in your exact circumstances, almost every one of them turns to something like drugs and alcohol. Mm. I just think that that is a coping mechanism that obviously doesn't work long-term, but that might work in the short term for people with as much tragedy in their lives of you, as you have had. Right. So let's get to that okay. uh, a little bit. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to spend the whole thing on 
all of that, but it's a story. I mean, it's worthy of Dateline NBC because it's been on Dateline NBC. So yeah. Um, so growing up, how was how was childhood? Like, where was it, and how was school? Um, How'd you do in school? I did well in school. Okay. Um, um, I was always trying to, I wanted to make my dad proud. I wanted him to be proud of me. So I always made sure to do well in school. It came naturally kind of to me. Um, I, and I was very, I was a shy, I was a shy kid, which is different. It's grown out of that. Yes, I know. I've grown out of that. It's crazy. But yeah, like I'm, um, I graduated high school when I was 15, um, and had a scholarship to college. Um, I grew up very close with my family, you know, and I just didn't know. I knew that my dad was, there was, my dad's always been different, but the, like the good parts of me, all of the beautiful things in, of me, they come from my mom because my mom was very loving and she fed me the love that I needed. Like, you know what I mean? My dad provided for us. Okay. Yeah. He provided for us, but my mom nurtured us Okay. and, um, and that's the way that I sort was, of very traditional roles. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's just, I guess maybe in my head, like I always knew that something was going on in my family and I blocked out a lot of things like okay. throughout my, throughout my life. I don't remember a lot of my childhood. What, what, um, do, what do you mean by that? Like what? Um, like all of the things that I found out that my dad were, was doing after okay. my mom, my okay. mom's death. Um, I, I was just unaware of that because I thought that my, my parents were like the the model right. relationship. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and I knew, even though I knew that my dad didn't, well, I felt as if my dad didn't love me in the way that I needed it. I knew that I felt like he loved my mom in that way. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. But so, so your dad, to you, your father wasn't especially nurturing. No, but he's a great provider. He was a provider. Yeah. yeah. He was a provider. Yeah. Um, we always, but I grew up not, um, I grew up being very embarrassed of having money okay. Um, because other people, because I was shy, um, other people in school, really in school, they were like, oh, you know, you're stuck up. And it just made me, you oh. know, not want, and, oh. and the big house, houses that we'd have, um, the big houses, I would always drive, I'd be on the bus going to school and there was this little teeny tiny house and I wanted to live in it. It was like a one roomed house that was for rent just because I knew that it would, my family would have to be like, together. I'd have to see them and they'd have to be together, you know? Cause I always, okay. I always wanted that. Yeah. Cause, um, listen, when I knew you, obviously we lived on the same street. That was a street full of pretty big homes. Absolutely. And yours was the biggest. Like <laughs> it's, it really was right. Yeah. I mean, that was, was the big. biggest house on that street Yeah, by far. Well, I, I don't, I wasn't sure of that, but I just well, knew I, that it was big. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest on that street and, yeah. and it looks like probably the most expensive for sure. And, um, it was a beautiful home for sure, but somehow that was embarrassing to you. Well, not embarrassing, but it was just like, um, I was, I was, um, I was very misunderstood, um, with other kids and oh, that was, people thought you were snotty cause you had a bunch of money. Right. And okay. really I was shy. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But the house that Orem house, that was my mom's dream home. And she, I was stoked on that. I was out of high school by the time we moved into that, okay. that home. Okay. So I was in college. I was going to college U UVSC when it was UVSC. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So, um, so you, you had a sense things weren't always the same as what you saw. Well, yeah, because it was just different. It was like when I, I would get mixed up by how, how the act was my dad acted okay, and how our family was on the outside rather than the way that my dad was at home at home. Okay. And so I would get that confused because I've always been one that's just been, you know, like it's hard for me to be anything other than exactly who you are, who I am. Okay. Yeah. So I would get that confused, but you're saying, and, and again, I don't listen the one thing we don't want to do is uh, I don't want to take any time talking about people who can't be here and belittling them. I want this to be yeah. your experience, yeah. not his or hers or theirs. Yeah. Or this is your experience. But from your side, you saw, and I'm trying to make sure I understand this. You saw, you perceived a father who put on a show for everyone else. And then at home was different than that. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I just didn't understand it. I didn't okay. understand. Um, I always in my head since I was little, I was like, there's some, something about this is a lie. Mm. You know what I mean? And some of the experience, so you could sort of sense that I could sense it. Some of the, the things that I had to go through, which, um, yeah, which are just, 
like something I'm not still like some of the trauma I'm not still uh, able to like face or work through. Um, it was very confusing to me. I just knew that there was something very wrong, but it turned into a thing where I thought that because I thought everybody else knew and I mm. didn't know. So I mm. thought that it had to have been them protecting me because, mm. um, so protecting the fact that I, it was something wrong with me. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Can you think of a time when you first knew something was wrong? Like you for the first time you had like concrete evidence that something was different than what the picture was portrayed to the rest of the neighborhood or the general public or, um, let's see. It's okay if you can't. I'm yeah. Just... I remember, I remember, well, I remember a time at the, the church that my, um, the faith that my, that my family, uh, belongs to, um, my mom was at church and I guess the, the bishop had told her something about, about my dad being worried about my dad and him, the persona that he had. Or, and I was like, what is going on? You know, and I've had slight like family members saying that said things like would say that there's something, you know, it's, I, there's something different about your dad, you know? And I was like, yeah, I could feel that, but I never wanted to, right. You know, I just wanted my dad to love me and right. I loved my dad. I held him on a pedestal. So right. there was, there's a lot of circumstances that are just, I think pretty common with, um, with a lot of fathers are not very emotionally mature maybe, or yeah. aren't attached to their emotions very well sometimes. And when that happens and they, and, and people, kids don't get that in the home that their dad is warm and fuzzy, they seek that the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. right? I mean, they seek that approval from their father who just emotionally sometimes isn't capable of giving it. Yeah. Even though, even though their father loves them, he just can't show it in the way that Right. That kids sometimes. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of what you had growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I had growing up. All right. Um, oh, wait. Melody said something. My wife says, your mom was such a kind, compassionate, loving woman. I worked with her and loved her. Absolutely. Well, I think everybody that knows your mom would say that. Yeah. She was angelic. It was Your just... mom is this uh, also a bigger than life figure, right? I mean, she oh. is uh, like the perfect, like she, she dressed perfectly like impeccably her hair was perfect her makeup was perfect and she just was lovely yeah don't you think like she oh was, absolutely she was the perfect example of someone who can be a matriarch of a family like yeah she's stately she's right my legal. mom was and that's just how she my mom in she was just the sweetest sweetest most wonderful woman you know what i mean and yeah. with or without her makeup on my mom was absolutely beautiful the most beautiful you know i i remember being very very young and just um going in her room and just looking at her because she was so beautiful she was pretty you know and i wanted to be like her and i sprayed i got her perfume and i tried to spray it on me because i thought that would make me beautiful like my mom <laughs> you know and i sprayed it right in my eyes oh, and um and i that's one I, if not my first memory my mom just held me and She's saying, hush, little baby, don't, don't say a word, you know? And I just remember that very vividly. And my mom, the beauty on her inside uh, matched the beauty on her outside. She was just, she was, had a light coming from her. Beautiful. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we agree. And everybody that knew her knew that for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, t when did you tell me about how you got involved in using drugs? Was it? Um, well, okay. So. Um, there's a lot of story here and we're not going to yeah. get to all of it. I no, we think, won't. We won't. That's okay. Um, so my brother and sister both attempted suicide within a couple weeks of each other. Okay. Um, I remember my sister was in the, in my older sister, she was in the, um, psych unit and my brother was in the emergency room. Oh man. And, and I how was, old were you at this point? I was 16. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, my brother was 12, 12, yeah, 16. And anyway, so um, I felt like that it was my fault, oh. that it was my fault because I somehow I take on, you know, like I thought that I could help my family in some way because I didn't struggle as much with, you know, with things that didn't yeah. seem like. And so I, t I blamed myself and I went and I just went and found a rave up in, up in Salt Lake somewhere and I just started like I did whatever drug wow. that I could. Yeah. And didn't even know what it was, but I just did it. This is at age 16. Yep. All right. Well, listen, we're uh, coming to the end of our first segment. 
Vanessa has just been introduced to drugs at a rave, and uh, her life's going <laughs> to no take good. off from there. So uh, anyway, c- follow us and come back at the second segment, and we'll continue with the story of Vanessa McNeil. Thanks. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become with the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, thanks. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Vanessa McNeil, who's telling us a story that's unbelievable. Uh, before we get back to it, the part two of our broad, of our podcast today is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn. And uh, are you staying at the Hilton Garden Inn? What's or that? Are you living at home? I live at home. Well, we should put you up in a for a, in the hotel for a night. Why not? Because the Hilton Garden <laughs> Inn is our sponsor, and I'll tell you this: it's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. If you are traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, and I'll tell you that they're really good to us. Their amenities are fantastic. That pool is amazing. The rooms are clean and bright and i love those guys they treat us really well so uh if you guys if you're ever through coming through southern utah need a place to stay try out the hilton garden inn all right so let's get back to the uh story here because we got a lot of story yeah people think your dad has if they're just listening to this they think your dad has this kind of front right right that's all we've got so far okay it's a big front yeah yeah so my dad was a physician and your dad's a doctor yeah and a lawyer your dad's a lawyer yep Yep. How do you do that? I, I don't know. He's just, he worked a lot and he, I think he got sick of doing, well, it was, I don't even know exactly what the story is. He somehow faked his way into getting, getting um, his medical degree. I don't, I don't know how that went down, but all I know him as, well, he was a doctor. And then when I was going through school, he decided to be, an become attorney. an attorney. Yeah. Right. And so he went to BYU law and yeah. And yeah, he did all sorts of things. There's some, uh, your dad did a lot of stuff. No question. Yeah. He was a, he was a crafty, inventive man for yes. sure. Yes. Um, and there is some mystery around whether he actually finished med school. Yeah. There's some when. mystery, but I don't know. All I know is he was a practicing physician. He, he practiced medicine. He practiced medicine. He, he was practiced an law. Yeah. Practiced law. Gave lectures on law and medicine. Yeah. And this is how I knew him, like up right. until my mom died. You know what right. I mean? Like I didn't know that there was any, you know, I, I didn't know all of the things that he was doing that was sure. not, um, yeah, that wasn't. A lot, lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. So, and, and we probably don't have time to get into all that yeah, stuff. No. So I don't think we want to anyway, but Mm-mm. so um, you went to a rave. This is yes. your, you have a brother in the emergency room. You've got a sister in yes. the psych ward who uh-huh. have attempted suicide. Yes. Is there a family history of suicide anywhere before that? Um, I. That you know of? I don't. Um, my, I know, I heard my dad had always said that his sister hung herself or something. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. But other so than maybe. that, no. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, so I'm up at this, I'm up at this rave. I, I do all these things. Um, and I was in, I actually lived in the dorms at UVSC at the time. And I completely, um, all of the drugs that I did it, um, I was completely out of my mind for quite, I mean, quite a while, like maybe three weeks or something. So after that time, um, I called my dad because I wanted to get back into school. I had screwed up my my semester of school because I hadn't been to any of it. I wanted to get into treatment. And so I went, I called my dad because I didn't want to upset my mom. I called my dad and he had me meet him in the garage of that house in Orem. Mm-hmm. 
I met him there and I asked him, please, to help me get into treatment. And he walked into a bin in the garage and he came and he threw me a bag of syringes. And um, he told me to to stay away from the family and I could come to him for clean syringes. But that's when it transitioned where he said I had to call him Dr. McNeil and I'd be a doc. It would be a doctor patient relationship. Um, How confusing is that for a daughter? Yeah, because I told him I don't use, that's not, I don't do drugs that way. And he just told me that that was, you know, probably the best way to to do it. It, He said it gets things over with quicker, (laughs) you know, which is like, for me, it was just like very devastating. Very devastating. Sounds devastating. Yeah. Doesn't sound, um, doesn't sound like you'd be able to receive that with love. No. So, um, I left. Doesn't sound loving. I'm not sure if it was or wasn't. I'm not, I don't know that, but it doesn't sound like you could receive that as love. Right. And I just, I thought once again, I'd failed my family. And so I left and. So you're a failure. Yeah. That's how I felt. And I just began, that began my. Well, you gotta, you can't be, you gotta be numb. Yeah. For that, right? So very, very long. Your family thinks you're a failure. Yeah, well, that's just... And it's a very successful looking family for sure. Yeah. Right? I mean, and I don't know about my whole family, what they thought, but I know what my... I know what I felt. I felt like I failed my family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And And I think that the rest of my... I just disappeared. You know, I just disappeared and just started using up in Salt Lake. And I mean, that started a long process for me. You know what I mean? And I've, I went in and out of different treatment programs okay. in and out because I always had hope, you know, like always had hope for something better, but I was lost in this despair. You know what I mean? Like sure. I would just be like, sure. I remember being paralyzed on the floor in despair and I just, it was just a, a, you know, a long process. And when my mom died, it just got worse. It got, it got much worse. That's when I, I started really using, um, I guess I don't know if I can talk about what you can talk about what you used. Yeah. Okay, we're not going to so, glorify it, but we can talk. Yeah, about yeah. It. So I really started. I I dove into um, my heroin addiction. Okay, and after my mom died, because that was the only way for me to um, to deal with that. I okay. I thought to I deal with that. I don't know how comfortable you are talking about all of this, and if I st- if I say something you're not comfortable, oh, I'll stop you. Yeah, please. Yeah, please. absolutely. Because <laughs> the thing we don't want to do is yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to make you too uncomfortable for sure. Oh, yeah. No, I'll let you know. But I think we need to talk about the things that happened. So so your mom went in for a minor surgical procedure. Yes, which I didn't know about because my mom was very protective over me. I'm a very, I'm the sensitive one, you know, very sensitive. And sure. Um, I wish that I would have known, but I didn't know that she got a facelift until after she died. And and I saw her, her um, before she was buried. Okay. Because I saw the marks on her face. Okay. She went in for a facelift um, with prompts from my dad, I guess. Sure. Um, and, um, and then she died. And I thought that she, I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know what had happened. But um, it turns out that, you know, that my dad did murder my mom. Um, and... Yeah, and that was rough. Yeah, no, that was rough. That's worse than rough. Yeah, so my dad murdered my mom. If, um, if um, can I toss some details and you can tell me if I'm wrong? Yeah, well, I, I don't. I, I you might know better. Well, <laughs> I mean, this. So this really has been on Dateline NBC, and there's, you guys were my neighbors. Like I was. Yeah. You weren't my neighbors when your mom died because your family had moved to Pleasant Grove or right. somewhere. But, yep. Um, so your mom went in for some surgery, a minor surgical procedure, which was a facelift, and. She was on some medications afterwards. The thing I heard is possibly your father gave her more medication than she needed. Apparently she was on benzos and pain pills for the procedure. Yeah, I have no idea. And then <laughs> the, uh, this is, the, the, again, this is, maybe this isn't true, but I've read this stuff. So yeah, right. It, yeah, at least somebody know. thought it was true. And then she was in the bathtub and passed out. And Right. They, can, they called it a dry drowning. So it was like she was already, um, I believe that she was already unconscious. Yeah. Um, and then was drowned. Yeah, I think that's um, kind of the conclusion I got to, too, is she yeah. maybe sort of an overdose. Yeah. But I and doubt, the details. But, but she didn't, knowing your mom, she didn't overdose herself. Oh, absolutely not. My but mom, I remember when she. She probably hated rem- taking the pills. Yeah. Frankly. I remember when she had, to, she had to get screws and plates put in her arm um, because she'd wrecked her scooter. I remember watching her you know, with my own two eyes, watching her cut, uh, 
a pain pill into like 16 pieces. And she just, because she just wasn't, that just wasn't her. She hated any sort of medication. Any sort of lack of control too. Right. She liked to sort of be in control of her surroundings and her situation. Right. So that's not your mom's personality to have taken too many pills. No. And from what my sister told me that she said that, um, she had told her the day before something that if something happened to her to go to the police, I don't know. That was my sister's account. Um, and I really don't know too many details about it. I try and stay away from that kind of oh, stuff sure, just because. Sure, and I don't want to rehash it too Oh, no, much it's here. okay. Um, it's it's just, I just know that what happened is my dad murdered my mom. Right. Um, right. And my mom was my best friend. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I loved my mom. She was, you know what I mean? Like my dad, um, yeah, it, she was a light. You know, and no, she, she still was. is, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Right. But it was just, it was too soon. You know yeah. what I mean? It was too, too soon for my mom to go. How, do you remember how old she was exactly? She was 50. She had just yeah. turned 50. Yeah, yeah I was 25. Very young. Yeah. And, yeah. And looked younger than 50. Oh, yeah. I mean, she, My mom's beautiful. Yeah, no question. Anyone who hasn't seen her, she was oh, epic. She, she was the most beautiful woman ever. She was really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. She um, was a beauty pageant winner. And yeah. I mean, she really was gorgeous yeah and so okay so you're so so then my brother So there's a trial yes there was a trial your dad gets convicted right but before that my brother my brother committed suicide oh i didn't know the order of that so yes so so your brother committed suicide how long after your mom had died he he my mom died april 11 2007 so january 16th the day after my mom's birthday my brother um committed suicide in 2010 so, so it was three years later. Yep, three years Your later. Your dad's not convicted yet. No, my dad wasn't convicted until okay. the end of end of twenty thirteen. Well, the trial was the end of twenty thirteen. So um, beginning of twenty fourteen, I think, is when he was convicted. Okay. Um. So. So then he went to prison. He went to prison. He went to prison, and um. And yeah, and then my dad killed himself in prison. Um. I yeah. was in a I was in a halfway house. Um. When I found out, I. I found out, um, like someone said that they saw it on the news or something. And then I got a phone call and it was just, how did that feel? That's um, gotta be really confusing. Uh, well, I mean, my dad had attempted suicide a couple times before that, but it was, uh, um, I guess, I guess here's, I'm looking from the outside. You, you're feeling this and I'm not. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt, I felt here's what I'm seeing a kid who's believes not a kid because you weren't a kid at this point but you're a young young person who believes her father has killed her mother who now commits suicide do you grieve that your father died or absolutely is it a relief or what is that what do you feel on with that no i felt no relief from that no okay. i was i was completely so it was just floored. more devastation more devastation more devastation um you know i i um like I was talking to you before, like my dad, I loved my dad and I love my dad still. Right. I love my dad. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that I condone, uh, anything, he condone did. anything that he did. My sure. dad took the most beautiful light, but I love my dad. And the things that I remember about him, like everything that I remember about my mother was absolutely beautiful. Right. There are a few things that I remember about my dad that I hold on to. That are beautiful. That are beautiful. Right. Um, being a child and holding on to his finger, mm-hmm. you know, his thumb, it was just my hand wrapped around it. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Sure. I remember there's a few things that I remember about my dad that I decide to hold on to, not because, you know, um, not because of anything other than like he, 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 um, he was my dad, right. You know, I love him and I can forgive him and it can still be okay for that, but not okay what he did. You know what I mean? And it'll never be okay what he did. And he made his, the choice that he made to end his life was very different than the choice that he made to end my mother's life. Absolutely, That's a very different choice, but it doesn't make it less traumatic for me. Sure. You know what I mean? It does. You don't put it on the same level. Like, oh, they both died, whatever. Both my parents were, are gone. They're gone. Are gone. And my brother. And your brother's gone. gone. He took you, it you into his hands. You basically have this core family of a mother and a father. You have two sisters and a brother. Is that true? Yes. Uh, and then some And then adopted sisters as well, Russia, my right. sisters, yeah. But mom, dad, brother gone out of that family. That's Absolutely. unbelievable. Yeah. And then the thing is, is it came to a point for me 
after all these things, I, I realized when I got down here, when I was in treatment with steps, I realized because I have the most beautiful therapist. Um, she was a therapist at steps. She isn't anymore, but she was, um, she is, is so important to me. Like she guided me through so much of my trauma work, um, guided me. That's a lot of trauma work. Yeah. And she's just, um, I didn't have any, I, I knew that I wanted to be clean, but I didn't have any reason to do it. That was in front of me because I lost my children, not I lost them. I lost custody of my son and custody of my daughter. Because, Those, because of drug use? Because, yeah, because of drug use and right. all the things that follow with that, you know, right. different right. different reasons, which um, my son has a beautiful adoptive family. Beautiful. And I still have contact with him. Oh, my good. daughter is beautiful. She's lives in, lives in Seattle. And these, if, if it could have been enough for them to just get clean, I wish that it could have instead of just for myself, but with all of the trauma and all the things and feeling like I was like worthless, I felt like I didn't deserve to have my children, you know? But then when I got down here to steps, like I realized that I realized that I was continuing to be stuck in that suffering, stuck in that suffering. And it was almost as if I was using them as an excuse, not, not outwardly, but I will not let the trauma that's happened in my life be an excuse for me to destroy my life anymore. Good for you. I can't do that. I won't do that. I don't want that to be my legacy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that to be my story, part of my story, you know? And I was always like, I just want so much for my children to be proud of me, but I'm just, maybe I should just disappear from that life. No, like I, I'm sure. The, I'm, well, how does that thought not cross your mind? It, right? I mean, it has, but then it goes back Three to Three-fifths of your family's already disappeared. Yeah. But then it goes back to my mother. My mother told me something my mom told me. Um, she said, I know the way that you look at, because my son was not, wasn't born when she was, she, she died. My son was born after she died. Okay. She said, I know the way that you look at Ada. I can feel it. She's all the feeling is, it's palpable. Mm. You can see that. You can feel it. How much love you have for her. And it's unconditional. You know what I mean? She's like, I know that there's nothing that, that she could do that you would, that you would, um, that you would think that she was any less worthy of anything right. or, or lessen her worth. Right. She's like, you're my baby. And I see you that way. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is it's beautiful. Yeah. And so I hold on to those things and it's great because for a long time I was like, my mom's gone. My family's gone. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, I still have these memories and, you know, the forgiveness part for my dad, I, I don't think that I ever, like, I, I've never hated my dad. I've never hated it's him a, for what he's interesting. done. Um, because hate, hate is so much more of a burden to bear. Oh, for sure. It's so much more of a burden to bear. You know what I mean? And, no question. And in my recovery. What good is that going to do you? Yeah. In my recovery, I've realized that, um, that self-forgiveness and self-love you know, like I was waiting, I always wanted my dad to love me thinking that that would be my, what would save me from, sure. from my sadness or sure. from my pain. And, and it's me that saved me. Sure. You know, it had to be me, but a healthier version of me. What does your shirt say? It says love is the cure. Yes, it does. Yeah. A friend of mine turned me on to this. He, he had a, he took a picture and he had this on there and I was like, oh my gosh, where'd you get that? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah. So hate's not the cure for anything. Yeah. Love. You know so what I mean? How and does this sit with your remaining family though? Like you, how ha- does what you sit? have two sisters still with us. You have two biological sisters still yeah, with us. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful um, sisters. Do you I love my sisters? You, I'll bet you do. Mm-hmm. And I'll bet they love you. And all my sisters, my adopted sisters are my sisters as well. So for sure. <laughs> you for know sure. what I mean? Um do I don't want you to speak for them because that's not fair, but I know that we all experience trauma differently. Yeah, for sure we do. And, and we all we all heal differently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't I won't. Do your sisters deal. take issue at all with you saying that you love your dad? Uh I don't think so. Okay. Um I don't I I mean, I'm not sure that they would. My sisters my sisters love me. You know what I mean? Like sure. what they're stoked on is that I'm clean. Yeah, I'm not just alive. that, but I found a way to to I feel joy. I feel happy. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing something better. And I think that that's what their, what their focus is. Yeah. Good. You know, that I'm, that I'm, 
you know, they're proud of me. They tell me that they're proud of me. That's, I feel it. I know oh, they are. Beautiful. So just like, like I'm proud of them as well. Sure. Yeah. So sure. What are they doing? What are they doing? So my sister, my sister, my older sister, my biological sisters, my older sister is, is in the, her, she's doing her master's program at the university of Utah for okay. social work. Okay. My younger sister is a physician for university of Utah. They're awesome. I'm super proud of them. Um, so, and my other sisters are beautiful too. Like I don't, I'm not in contact as much with them. Where are they? Um, there's some in Salt Lake. There's some in Texas. There's some like in back in Russia. Yeah. No, in Michigan. No, oh, okay. the other one's not. She's in Salt Lake as well. No, nobody's back in. Nobody's back nope, overseas. Not anymore. Nope. Sweet. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. So they're all doing well and they're just happy that I'm doing well. So, so. the family is, um, the family that's still around has all sort of gravitated towards healing. Yeah, absolutely. Like we have a social worker, potential social worker. We have a physician. Yeah. And what are you doing with your life? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm. Do you have goals that you're absolutely, towards? absolutely. Like I've always wanted to, and being in recovery now, working the twelve steps. Shout out to my sponsor. She's awesome. I love her. She's like my family. Beautiful. I'm every all of my people in the recovery community. You can say are, her first name if you want. Stacy. <laughs> Shout out to Stacy. Um yeah, so um yeah, all of all of the people in my life are are beautiful. What are you passionate about right now? Um what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about spreading a message of hope. Okay. You know what I mean? Like there's no better I, messenger. Yeah. Thanks. There really isn't. I mean, if there's anything that I can, anything that I can do to help anyone, even if it's just, like I said, one person, That's what I'm if thinking. one person can feel anything from what, whatever I have, like the stuff that I've gone through or the message of hope, because I, I have so much hope today. Yeah. I always have, you know, when I, when I, at a point in time when I lost it, that's when I tried to end my life, sure. you know, and I made my way sure. down here afterwards. Cause that's not part of, that's not part of my story. Right. That's not part of my story. All the things that have happened in my life, that trauma, we all go through trauma. We all go through hardcore stuff. And the worst thing that's happened to me in my life and the worst thing that's happened to somebody else in their life is exactly the same. It's the same. Because yeah, the I, worst thing I that's happened in right, somebody's life the is the worst thing, that's, thing that's happened in their life. Oh, I got that lecture once from a, I was sitting in a group and there was, and I, we were talking about the stuff we'd lost. Yeah. You know, and I lost this giant house in Orem and I lost my brand new Porsche and I lost this. And this little 16 year old girl said, called me out and said, I said, she said something about everything she'd lost. And I'm like, I, I said to her, what have you lost? You're 16. And she said, you can only lose what you have. Yeah. We all, we all can lose only what we have. And just because somebody looks like they have something more than someone else, the loss of it all is the same. Yeah. And so the tragedy, the, the, the trauma that we go through, like you're saying, it, if you want to put them on a scale, great, that's fantastic, but it's trauma to you. Right. I love but your perspective thing, because frankly, looking from the outside of your story, that's a lot of trauma. Right. And that's okay. Cause the thing is, is there's a quote that I really love and it's, uh, it says, somebody I loved once gave me a box full of darkness and it took me years to understand that this too was a gift. Mm. You know what I mean? So wow. um, all of the things that I've gone through, um, it's just part of my life story. It's not part of my story now. It's part of my past. Right. It's and not part of directing yeah. your future. And the thing is, is I had my mother for 25 years. I had my brother for 25 years. Right. I am blessed. I am blessed. I have so many blessings. It's, it's crazy. Like I am, I have so many blessings. I have beautiful, a beautiful family. I have beautiful children. I have a beautiful life that I'm living. I get to live every single day. You know what I mean? And wake up bad days, good days. It doesn't matter. Like I'm here and, and I'm not leaving the people I've had to leave. I had to change people, places, things I had to change everything. You know what I mean? Sure. I had to change everything, but, and I used to think that that was a part of like, I can love someone enough to just, you know, that it's okay. Like I'll just stay here in this, in this position because I don't want to leave anyone behind. Sure. But there was another quote that I really liked that I read when I was here, when I got here to St. George and it said that, what does it say? The door to my heart will always be open, but I've renovated the porch. So you'll have to step up to reach it. Mm. You know what I mean? So. Mm. 
those kind of things like I'm stoked on life today. You know what I mean? I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy. I, I mean, I dance a lot. I sing a lot. People that know me here, so they great. just know that's what I do. You know, I do it because I've got this soul that's big, 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 you know, and everyone's souls are big, big, big. Right. And I've had to learn how to start to love this body and this, this mind, this brain and connect that. Like, you know what I mean? We're all blessed. We're all so blessed. You know what I mean? Just start focusing on those things. Change your perspective, change your perspective. Wow. <laughs> like how incredible are you? Like, this is great stuff. People could hear this message and it will touch some people. Well, thank you. Cause this is un like, this is great stuff. We can change our perspective we can find blessings in darkness and pain. Yeah. And it's, it, it can be okay. Hey, really quickly before we go, we're about out of time, but, uh, Judy Miller, that's Jared's mom. Who's our kind of the mom of the podcast says, thanks for sharing your story. Welcome. Angela again says, I'm so grateful for you, Vanessa. You are the perfect roommate. You're the perfect roommate. Come on right yeah, here. Knuckles. Give me some. Oh, boom. Yep. The perfect roommate. <laughs> and, uh, there's one more quote. I got 27 seconds. Come on, Sean. And Vanessa, what a wonderful woman you have become. You have, I got, I got to read my wife. You have so much to give and have really taught me some great things today. Thank you. Okay. And don't forget the expo. Finally, before we go, recovery expo is Thursday, the 30th of September doors open at five o'clock. It's at the Monarch in Ogden. Be there and listen to some great speakers and see some great recovery stuff. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.